Welcome back to the 430 Movie. We got our expert programmers here to curate Fantasy Theme Week's of classic film. From 1998, film directed by Steven Soderbergh called Out of Sight. Yes! Soderbergh directs it with such a sort of confident, self-assured style. Lex Luthor in Superman. What is it about Gene Hackman that... uh... His performance, it's off the charts, but still in reality. Fiendishly gifted. 1981, Sam Raimi Opus, The Evil Dead. Oh, yes, fine choice. Sam Raimi invented entirely new ways to get shots that should not have been possible with the amount of money that he did not have. Charade. Oh, Directed by Stanley Donnan. It's a textbook screenplay. It's just effortless, and there's not a wrong note in this movie. Can't say enough great things about it. We'll be back next Friday with an all-new episode of the 430 Movie, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us now for the 430 Movie. The 430 Movie Podcast is available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. Hello and welcome to Best Movies Never Made, the podcast where we talk about interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. Most of the time, the movies you're trying to make don't get made. Like, four of them may happen, one of them may happen, none of them may yeah. happen, and I'll be attached to three more things by end of summer. Turn the script into something resembling like Unforgiven with Conan. Yeah. Sadly, the rights expired and the whole thing just like went away overnight. New episodes will be available every other Monday. We won't see you at the movies. Best Movies Never Made, as featured in Entertainment Weekly, is available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. If you think you felt a great disturbance in the force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today. And you can learn the secrets of the Force. And don't miss our oral history of Star Trek in stores now. And of course, nobody does it better. The complete oral history of James Bond in digital, hardcover, paperback, and audio. That is all. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Dockerman. And we are the Inglorious Trexperts. I almost jumped the gun there. I almost said Inglorious. You think after, what, four seasons, how many shows that I would know my role to play in this There's podcast. a lot of shows under the bridge, but uh, see what I did there? Under the bridge? Yeah, I see. Oh. Uh, <laughs> under the bridge, just where uh, where Captain Kirk died, if you, if you believe that's canon. That's right. If, if you accept generations, <laughs> it's got it. Bridge, bridge on the captain. <laughs> bridge, bridge under the captain Kirk. Uh, okay, so um, here we are again. Last week, we did a remarkable episode called... Previously on Inglorious Trexperts. <laughs> yeah, right, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Fire! Oh, no. Um, we did... Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, season um, one. Season Y, season... Next Generation season one do- doesn't suck. Now, I don't know if we proved our thesis or not. That's up to you to decide. But uh, this week, we're returning with why season two doesn't suck, um, which I think is going to be, uh, you know, 
maybe a little harder to little. prove. Well, we'll see. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I actually thought there was a whole math equation we could do where we could give each uh, one to five and then a- average it and then do that for each of the seasons. And we could prove that, in fact, season two is not as bad as some other seasons. I was told there would be no math. Yeah, well, that's the problem there. I, Liking not... something is not an empirical method. By the way, I have to tell you both, you know, it came in the mail today from Amazon. We can't, can't see tell. Kojak <laughs> Co- Bang Bang. Wow. So the reason I say this on a Star Trek podcast is, of course, because it was produced by the one and own, only Eddie Milkus. Right. You know, so uh, you know, a little, little Star Trek, a little uh, taste of uh, Star Trek there, a little uh, Six I Degrees. Just- I want to show what came in my mail last week. Oh, what came in your mail? And then I'm going to show what came in my mail. And but it's all like bills and shit. It's finally, <laughs> finally, after a year, from our friend Ben at Eagle Moss. Oh, where's my freaking shit? This is this is uh, week one and two of the uh, NCC one seven zero one D. Uh, assembly oh, set. Oh, look at oh, that. Okay. Man. Okay. So I think kind of cool. Hello. That's very cool. Hello, listeners of Inglorious Trexperts. I'd like you to all go on Twitter and, <laughs> and, 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 and I want you to you, Eagle Moss, Ben, uh, Ben Robinson say, where is Mark swag? Can you do that for me? Where is Mark swag? Mark has already got him Jim from Eagle Moss in the past. I've never gotten swag. Yeah, from that, that's true. That's true. Okay. <laughs> don't do it. You know, don't, don't, don't do that to poor but, Ben. But please do thank them. If you're, uh, you know, want to post stuff on, uh, on the internet, thank Eagle Moss for finally bringing Darren into the fold. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's like, I guess the fold. problem is I keep asking for all this Galactica stuff. Like I want the land. That's probably why. Yeah. The Landrum. Mr. Landrum. Landrew. <laughs> <laughs> the Land Rover. I, there really aren't any other Star Trek ships I want. I got the Enterprise. Wow. I got the Reliant. Um, Reliant. She's one of ours. I, you know, I have the I have the um, the Klingon uh, uh, Katinga class ship. Um, Katinga, Mr. Katinga. <laughs> so, so it's like, like what is it about like Klingon ships? Like that they all sound like the noise a fork makes when you drop so, it. On the so so honestly. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what other ships would I really do? I really want. I got the Doomsday Machine. Oh, you know what? I don't have. I don't have the Office Complex. I want that. There you go. Class regular one. I don't think they've actually released that yet. They put oh, out regular okay. one. Oh, well, then I just turn it around. No, <laughs> I just put it on a different stand. Yeah, turn it upside down. Upside down. Well, who sang that song? Remember, upside down. You're turning. Yeah, yeah. Um, no idea. Was it Pat Benatar? No, no. come on. No, was it Olivia no. Newton-John? First of all, that was like nope. disco. Pat Benatar did not sing disco. Dun, dun, dun. It was like Peaches and Herb or something, right? It, now I got to look it up, you bastards. Um, I mean, it's really bothering me. <laughs> I mean, Pat look, Benatar. we're not supposed to look things up on like the. Um, no, but it's not Star Trek related. So who says can't. we're not supposed to look things up? We we say you can't look. That, maybe you know. We say, I don't think we do that. Well, we try not to. We try to avoid going on the internet. Diana though. Ross. Diana Ross. Ross. There you go. Okay. Diana Ross. Yeah, that's not Pat Benatar. No, uh, it's also not. Also, an acceptable answer would have been Michael Jackson. Right. Or Jessica Von Pottermaker. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Um, 
But anyway, so I got foul play today. Very exciting. Also, Criterion came out with uh, Miller's Crossing, which I already oh. had from Fox. But I love that movie. I'll buy whoever puts it out. It's fine. They can put it on Viewmaster. I'll buy it. As opposed to Miller's Outpost. Which, <laughs> yeah, Miller, remember Miller's Outpost? <laughs> yeah. that's, that, that's my podcast. That was like, uh, it, it was like the Gap meets uh, Banana uh, Banana uh, Republic, Republic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's long gone Which now. Which goes along with Peaches and Herb. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that goes along with Peaches and Herb. And we wonder why our, our, our audience skews so old with, with hipster hip references like Peaches and Herb, Look, as opposed to the baby. Just, just remember, old people have money. They do. Yeah, and they, which they spend uh, on our podcast. That's correct. They spend on our podcast they? and they spend on our wonderful advertisers that we'll have someday. Should we get advertisers? I've really yeah, tried. To, we should. I mean, yes. I've, 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 people ask, but I am like, I like, you know, I like not having advertisers. Don't you want to do? Ads I like. Them? Can I tell you something? I like not being beholden to anyone. We can say and do anything well, because yeah. we're not beholden to anyone. What if we right. pretend to have advertisers, but all of our advertisers are companies that have gone under since Star Trek went off the air? Brought to you by Miller's Outpost. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam Goody. And the warehouse. <laughs> the warehouse. <laughs> and nobody beats the whiz. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I used to love, I used to love speaking of play, great places that went out of business. Remember the good guys? They had a, a mm-hmm. 24 hour, seven day a week electronics store yep. uh, yeah. in the Beverly Connection. Yep. And I used to think when I first moved out here that this was like the promised land. It was like when Moses came down with the, ta- you know, the, Behold. you know, it's like go <laughs> to the land of Canaan for milk and honey will run, whatever he said. Behold his mighty remote control. And, and I'm like, I'm like Los Angeles. This is the greatest city ever. It didn't matter riots, whatever. It didn't matter. They had a 24 hour electronic store. I literally went and bought a subwoofer at like two in the morning. Nice. Because so, you could. Because I could. It's true. Actually, the story about that was I'll tell you. And then we should talk about this thing. So uh, I was at our good friend Alan Spencer's house. We were watching Ice Station Zebra and he had just come. Like, were you naked like Howard Hughes? No, he was definitely not. <laughs> he was showing it to me on um, Super VHS. Right. Not even a laser disc. It was Super VHS. And it was like, and I said, wow, that sounds really good. He says, because I got a subwoofer. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I said, I got to get a subwoofer from my home theater. And uh, so that night on the way home, uh, I stopped at the, 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 uh, at the good guys and got a subwoofer, my Yamaha, Yamaha subwoofer. And, uh, and, and that was great because then I could watch the end of Star Trek Six on Laserdisc. Surely not. Surely. I, I could, <laughs> oh, we can't talk about Star Trek Six because uh, we have to recuse ourselves, Ashley. Because oh, yeah, that's right. we will be the judges when Steve Asbell and Darren Doctorman fight it out amongst the, the stars and the Lerpa. Yeah. So I hope you're. I hope you're, you're. Is to the death. How's your how's, <laughs> how's your training going, Darren? <laughs> My training is my concern. Yeah, you you like you you, you know you doing it like to eye of the tiger. Do you have like a music that musical uh, uh, the theme that you you work out you know practice for? Yes, it's the inappropriate score to Star Trek Six. Oh, you know, if there's any inappropriate score to a Star Trek movie, it ain't Star Trek Six. Well, it's Star Trek Four, but indulge <laughs> me. Okay, 
indulge me. <laughs> okay. So uh, today's episode is um, why season two doesn't suck. This is our follow up to last uh, week's uh, why the season doesn't suck. Uh, does uh, didn't suck. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to remind you also um, that uh, Darren and I will be um, at the uh, Skirball Center tomorrow um, at uh, 10 o'clock where we will be doing uh, live uh, uh, post-show discussion of The Cage and Where No Man Has Gone Before with Trek enthusiast Scott Mance. So if you're in Los Angeles, we, we hope you'll join us. And in, immediately following our presentation, uh, he'll be showing Mirror Mirror with uh, the lovely and talented Barbara Luna and Best of Both Worlds with a previous Inglorious Trexperts guest, uh, the, the wonderfully talented uh, and delightful uh, Elizabeth Dennehy. Nice. So uh, it's going to be fun. We'll be had by all. And uh, they're doing stuff on Sunday, but uh, I don't really know what. So uh, <laughs> screw that. <laughs> but you I, believe it's, uh, I believe it's more next generation on Sunday. Well, I think it's actually I think it's actually Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Then they're doing a Deep Space Nine episode with Terry rejo- rejoined, I think. Um, <clears throat> and then I think they're doing some of the other shows. So, OK. There you go. Awesome. Okay. So Captain John Luke Pickard. Okay. So, you know, one of the reasons that we decided to do these shows about there's a conventional wisdom when it comes to Star Trek that just becomes the accepted lore. And when you really go back and look at these episodes, you start to realize, well, maybe these, these seasons weren't as bad as we thought. And, you know, to be quite honest, uh, you know, and I don't like to, you know, go back and actually prepare for these shows, but I did a little bit for this one. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's amazing because if you really look at it, uh, season two, Jordy became the engineer. It introduced Ted Forward. It introduced the poker game. A lot of these things that people credit Michael Piller and, and I'm not taking anything away from Michael, but... Um, uh, you know, they credit later seasons. Of course, we've talked about this before, the introduction of the Borg, even something like, you know, the time loop episode, which a lot of people look to yesterday's Enterprise and, and certainly Brandon Braga perfecting it with cause and effect. But that began with Time Squared in season nice. two. So a lot of these things that we give credit to Star Trek later on have their roots in the second season. Now, it was very easy to dismiss the failures of, of, of the second season by saying, oh, the Writers Guild strike. And there is some truth to that, that it got a late start and they didn't really have enough time to prep and, and to prepare. And um, it was a truncated season as a result. Um, I think, and what do you think of this, guys, that one of the reasons season two has such a bad reputation is not because pound for pound, it's so many bad episodes, but it has some of the worst episodes of Star Trek. And as a result, people sort of color, tarnish it with that brush, you know, shades of gray. I think that's a, uh, that's a reasonable statement. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, yeah, percentage wise, uh, more of the episodes are not up to the standard that are, that is uh, established certainly later. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. And also, I mean, there is such it suffers in, on some level from drawing a contrast between it and what happened in season three, where almost right away in season three, you could feel the difference. So I, I think just a whole host of things made us look at, uh, that at was season two in a negative. That was season four. The host. The, the, host. the host. Yes, yes, absolutely. But uh, 
No, a host, the host, but a host. Yeah, it, it, that's a really good point, Ashley, because it, it's true. It's like season three came out of the box really strong, you know, and you had a couple of really early episodes like Who Watches the Watchers and Ensigns of Command and Survivors, uh, the Survivors, which are just like, you know, as good as Next Generation got. Right. And, you know, the problem with season two is it really flounders for a while before it hits its stride. And, you know, obviously the season is bookended, uh, you know, by two really atrocious episodes. It starts with The Child, which Oof. unfortunately is a rewrite of uh, John Povell's script for Phase 2. And instead of being um, about Ilea, it's about Counselor Troy being impregnated. And, same uh, thing. And it's the, <laughs> same, it's the same story, but um, it's just not a season opener. There's no sense of, of drama, of import, of like the show's back. And I think it's kind of like uh, uh, Boba Fett, where you have two Boba episodes, Fett. which Boba Fett is Boba in, and you're like, what show is this? And it's kind of like <laughs> the season one of, uh, of, of Next Gen ends with the Romulans. Except the two, the two episodes where Boba Fett isn't in them are great. <laughs> I, know, I, I know, I know. But, but here's the thing. You got the, 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 the series ends on this note of the, the Romulans versus the Enterprise. We're mm-hmm. back. We're back, right? So you think, okay, the show is going to pick up. Like, wow, we're in deep. Kaka, the the the, the uh, Romulans of the Federation, or you know, are who's again. destroying those outposts? And who, right, who's destroying? Out- so instead, it opens with the child, this sort of soft character episode. And I'm being charitable, calling it a character based episode. Time on Star Trek, the and next like, generation. Where are the Romulans? Yeah, where, you know, where are the outposts? Well, we don't know. Do we, they, nobody uh, seems they decided against it. <laughs> <laughs> we are back eventually, Captain. <laughs> And I never bought. But not right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> my, my, um, um, Maurice Hurley, who was the, the the showrunner, second season. Uh, although you know he was pretty much under the 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 foot of uh, Gene Roddenberry, who's still very involved. You know, saying, "Well, that had been our plan to do all these character arcs, and we were going to follow up on this. This was going to be our way into introducing the board, but we couldn't do it because of the writer's strike." I, I, you know, I certainly didn't believe it when I was in college interviewing these people and now having been in tv for 20 years or whatever it is definitely i i still don't i even more don't believe it yeah i mean what do you think ashley i mean was that a valid excuse i mean i can see you know kind of coming back and saying what do we have and kind of how do we get things off the ground and you know we have to feed the beast and as you know somebody once said you don't shoot pages you shoot days okay Cool, I get it. But the truth of the matter is, man, you take a script that was written for a completely different show and you do a page one rewrite on that thing for other characters. And that's a lot of work. That is, that's not a trivial amount of work. And I get that, like, they didn't have a chance to have the writers in sort of sit down and go, like, oh, okay, what did the board do? But I feel like it's a little bit bullshit. To it's be just, honest, yeah. no strike would force any show into the, coming into coming up with a role for Joe Piscopo. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but the funny thing is, Darren, that was originally supposed to be Jerry Lewis. But uh you know, thankfully hey, but thankfully Jerry Lewis was doing that amazing wise guy arc with Tony Dennison because um you know Ken Wall had gotten injured and so they replaced so it delayed things and it was Tony Dennison and Stanley Tucci and um but- 
But uh, how much more horrible would it have been with oh, Jerry? Oh Lewis? my God, it would have been so much worse. Because as good as Don't Jerry raise Lewis, the bridge, lower the river. That's good, all I'm saying. As good as he is, as Eli uh, in 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 um, Wise Guy, he would have been that awful as the comedian in yeah. Outrageous O'Connor. Now I don't want to skip ahead, but I have to say, I I took the time to watch as much of the Outrageous O'Connor as I as could you can stand. Because um, I don't think I've watched it since it originally premiered in 1988. I think uh, this might be my uh, the first time I, I, I watched it. And I, I, the first thing I was struck by, there's this really interesting camera shot where Pul- it starts with Pulaski going to a turbo lift. And, and it's an uninterrupted shot, like rope or something. And then the turbo lift, <laughs> it, the, the, yeah. And then the turbo lift door opens and she's on the bridge. Like I noticed a lot of. Uh, that kind of stuff going on where directors were trying to do these interesting shots. The music is so oppressive in that episode. And I, you know, you know, I love Ron Jones, but I don't know what was going on in the way it was mixed or, or just the way it was. It's so loud. And so like, you, you know, you can barely hear the dialogue and you're thinking, what is this music? And um, they give O'Connor like this theme and he's supposed to be like this crazy rogue. And it's everything we said about Troy that we can't stand. I sense he is, a, a rascally rogue, you know, and, and everybody's like, well, thank you, Counselor Troy, thank for your you, insight. Subtext. <laughs> I mean, and then it, it's 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 like you talk about being a product of the 90s. Oh, my. You know, he, Bill Campbell comes on board and he's just hitting on everything that moves like the transporter. And she's like, you know, smiling like, oh, yeah, I like this Bill Campbell, O'Connor. And then Riker has like this, you know, sort of perverse smile. And he's like looking over it. I at, like at, this O'Connor. At, at, at Will. Uh, <laughs> he's looking over at Will Wheaton. And, you know, as Crutcher's like, yeah, I look at him. He's, he's a real ladies man. Like he's showing you how it's done. And it's like, oh, my God, it's bad. Yeah. And and remember to refer to him as Billy Campbell because oh, Bill yeah. Campbell is Trelane and That's Billy right. Campbell was the and also Koloff. Yes, yes and also Koloff. Yes. yes, but I mean, I, you know, the fact that they have this A story about this rogue space pirate who I guess yeah, is supposed to be like Solo coming aboard, yeah, or Harry Mud, you know, like or straight Harry Mud. I don't know. Harry Solo, and 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 then um, <laughs> and then you got the B story with. Did we just Dana. leave this party? Data not not understanding comedy. Oh my god, so ridiculous! Joe Piscopo is teaching him how to be funny. Now we are. I thought ahead, we were trying to yeah. say that season two didn't suck. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know <laughs> what we're saying is it was wobbly to begin with. The child super flawed. Then you know, look, the second episode directed by Rick Colby, right? Um, where Silence has lease. What the hell is going on? Are you all right, number one? I've had it. Let's put all this technology to work, figure out what is going on, and get the hell out of here. I've had enough of being led about in this way. Agreed, Captain. Hold present position. Good. Don't satisfy its curiosity. Captain, look! I was so alarmed when I've gone to such trouble to look just like you. Captain, sensors show nothing out there. Absolutely nothing. Sure is a damn ugly nothing. I am Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise, representing a federation of planets in this part of the galaxy. Can you identify whoever or whatever you are? Nakilum! Speaks right up for something your sensors say isn't there, Data. Data. 
Nagilam. You are of different construction than the others. Interesting. Your life form surprises me more and more. Is it true you also have only a limited existence? Answer. What information do you want? I don't understand the question. You exist, and then you cease to exist. Your minds call it death. interesting science fiction conceit it is in spite of the clutch cargo thing happening right. with the alien on the view screen but like i kind of weirdly dug it because it had this odd vibe that like mm-hmm. that season one and season two sometimes had this weird right. sort of dark thing that was going on um and i don't know that it always made a hell of a lot of sense but it was interesting the mystery of hava nagilam <laughs> you know well, yeah. hakuna matata so uh <laughs> what a wonderful phrase i you know i i actually could not have said it better because there is a tonality to some of these creepy weird episodes that the show never had later now they're not it doesn't mean they're necessarily good but where silence has least kind of has that weirdness of um conspiracy you know you have the first red shirt getting killed um and this whole idea that aliens are experimenting on us that you know we're the ones under the microscope it's an interesting you know idea and how do we get out of that we won't be complicit in your experiment so it 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 kind of violates the um uh you know kind of their ability to conduct their experiments because you know we're not going to go along with it and uh and 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 it's really it's kind of weird and there's the Romulan, the phantom Romulan ship. And uh, we wanted Romulans. Here they are, sort of. Um, it's just bizarre. It's a bizarre episode. And I would certainly never argue that it's a particularly great episode or even a really good episode. But it's weird. And I like that. It's yeah. like it should have been. It, it, it was certainly a much better candidate for the season premiere than The Freaking Child. Totally. Totally. Uh, absolutely. But, you know, it's a definitely, you know, it's a definite bottle show, but then so was the child, you know, but it's like, uh, there's not a lot of episodes here that would work as the season premiere, because then it brings us to elementary dear data, which at the time they were very proud of that. They spent more money on this episode than any episode that season, even though, you know, Rob Bowman wanted eight days to shoot it. They only shot it at seven. He said, what's the point of spending all this money? If you're just going to make me rush through shooting it in seven days, but, you know, you spend all this money, but you're not going to another planet. You're right. going to, 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 to the back lot 
and it, these interior sound stages to do, you know, Victorian England to do Sherlock to, Holmes. You're going to time after time. Yeah. Ironically. And yeah. it's like, why? Why? Because if you're going to spend your money, spend it on a sci-fi thing, not on Sherlock Holmes. I mean, I, look, yeah, I think. Go ahead, Darren. Go ahead. I, I, it, it just it's a, it's a very odd, it's a very odd pairing with Data and Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. because you know Data is Data is supposed to be you know uh, he he wants to be more human like and Sherlock Holmes is one of the most inhuman characters ever created. You know, more human than human. It's it's a very odd thing, and it, it mm-hmm. seems that uh, it seems that there's a mismatch somewhere just because someone wanted to do Sherlock Holmes. You know, you said something we were talking about season one about the big goodbye that I I disagreed with, but I think is interesting in this context. Was you felt that the card would not have been into the hard boiled detective fiction, mm-hmm. but imagine if you will a world where we swap it. Mm. Where I think it that is. would actually work way better. Yeah. Right? Like, Data is a fan of the hard-boiled detective because and, of the action and adventure and human foibles and things like that. And and Picard, being a, a someone who wants to develop his analytical side and his scientific side, uh, connects with uh, with Sherlock sure. Holmes. I think that works way better. Yeah. But that class, be it's, it's too late. It's way too late. But if we did get Moriarty out of it. Well, I was just going to say. Absolutely. Daniel Davis is great. And of course, as a result, we get Ship in a Bottle. Which is terrific. Which is one of the best episodes of Star Trek. Because it's about something. And Elementary Dear Data isn't about anything other than, um, you know, Pulaski sort of being mean to Data. It's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. When we talked about you can't have McCoy being a jerk to Zahn because he's just going to come across as an asshole. And it was the same thing with, uh, you know, uh, Pulaski. She came off incredibly unlikable, but she's kicking the dog. Yeah, for sure. And not just a dog, a puppy. A puppy. But I feel like the the one thing that is different is I kind of think, based on our discussion on phase two, that I think we all would have gotten behind kicking Zahn. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know that he, he would have been all that sympathetic, but, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, and speaking of kicking puppies, don't miss my new book coming this summer. <laughs> they John have Wick? Killed his dog. <laughs> the ass-kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu, and the New Age of Action. Available wherever you get your books. Okay. <laughs> So um, <laughs> elementary data, just again, just a bad use of resources. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, and then and then we talked, you know, we talk about the outrageous about. O'Connor uh, by Armis, our good friend, Burton Armis, former uh, NYPD. Armis, the skin of evil himself. That's right. Yeah. He's now a producer on the show. Uh, uh, you know, Maurice Hurley brought him in because uh Maurice didn't have a lot of allies. Uh, you know, he was making Tracy Torme's life a living hell. Um, Hannah Louise Shiro left the show because she w- was not getting along with Maurice Hurley. Then, you know, um, and uh, but Bern Armis was there and uh, and he brought us the outrageous O'Connor. Yes, he and, did. Wow. Welcome aboard, Captain O'Connor. I'm Commander Riker. If you'll turn over the inoperative part to Commander Data, we can begin repairs. I'd be most happy to do the work myself, Commander. I'm sort of the hands-on type. I think you'd find the tools we use rather unusual, sir. I can believe that. May I at least watch? That can be arranged. Good, then. 
Commander, I leave this in your capable hands. Sir, this is Commander Data. I'm just an acting ensign. Well, acting ensigns have names, don't they? Wesley. Wesley Crusher. Nice to meet you, acting ensign Wesley. Wesley Crusher. And thank you for beaming me here and enabling me to see a truly beautiful woman. You have the majestic carriage and loveliness that could surely be traced back to the noblest families. Well, I'm sure you've said that to many ladies before, and it was no more true then than it is now. But it's how I say it that's really important. The warmth, the attraction that I have for you. The attraction that we share. Mr. O'Connor appears to have excellent vision, as well as a healthy libido. <laughs> Captain O'Connor, if you follow Commander Data, you can get started right away. Now, that's sex appeal. Sexual attraction in this context is not a part of my programming. I'm an android. Well then, have you seen any good-looking computers lately? That's a joke. It's funny. Huh. Of course it is. <laughs> Am I crazy? And yeah. This is mentioning pieces of Star Trek that we don't really talk about, but I would swear that the outrageous Okana came back on one of like the new Star Trek shows. Am I nuts? Did, did he? Am I imagining that? I don't know. That's a question for our listeners. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I, have, I, okay. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if maybe on Lower Decks or something they would do that. Uh, you know, because that's a comedy. Who knows? It could just be a random neuron firing on my part. I, I, I don't know. I just like, know. What's the worst thing that could possibly happen? I know. Oh, oh, right. That's the new series they're doing, Star Trek Okana. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Although all I could say was watching, I could think, and people say Spock's brain is bad. I mean, I'm watching this, and it's just, it's just everything it's not about it is, is, is misguided and at a mess, and the dialogue, and you know, now, Guinan is in that episode, isn't she? She is. Yeah, she is. Because she just no. She just shows up. She just shows up in Ted Forward, the bartender, Wait, the shadow mapes. Was that her first episode? No, I think she's in the child. He's in the Is child. She? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But Whoopi Goldberg. I gotta get you in has... touch with what's keeping you from touching. But what's so yeah. funny? What's so funny about Whoopi Goldberg as the as the um, as, as the as the uh, bartender is she's a better counselor and a better therapist. Yep. Than yep. Troy. Right. You know, she fulfills that role better because people actually come to her and talk about their problems, and she has folksy advice. Right. Whereas Troy. I mean, I can't tell you how much she is literally, um, uh, uh, you know, Captain Exposition, Counselor Exposition. Right. She's mm -hmm. just there to explain things to us, most of which are abundantly clear without her piping up. Ten forward, um, where everyone knows your rank. Yes. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 really a mess. Um, and I, you know, you know, I found, I mean, a lot of people love to give Will Wheaton shit. I don't have a problem with Will Wheaton. I think he did as much with that role as he could. But I, I think that um, having this character of Dr. Crusher's son 
as a brilliant Mensa level uh, ensign on the bridge. Huge mistake. Yes. Huge you mean mistake. An, an acting Mensa. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with her son being on the ship. Like, that could have been really interesting. A, a normal I'm Trying bridge. to force him into more activity on the bridge is too much. No, mm-hmm. too much. And then they give him all this responsibility. And, um, and you know, it, it just it just was so much more interesting. Like, what would it be like being a kid on the Enterprise? And what would you do all day? And what if your mother was going on a really, you know, you know, your your dad died when you were young, and now your mother's going on an away team mission, which yeah. is dangerous. And what's it's like? There's so yeah. much to explore there, and they and didn't get that right until Jake Cisco. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Jake Cisco did right what they did completely right. because I'm watching these episodes. And I'm just thinking, I have no interest in this character. Again, no nothing that Will Wheaton was doing wrong. Um, it was you know completely the writing. Um, and just so unnecessary because they weren't servicing any of the other characters either. And so you don't want to see them then giving all the stuff to, to Crusher because I'd rather know more about War for Troy or, or, or Riker or Data. It's just, it was ridiculous. Would, yeah. it's, it's, you know what? You know something has gone seriously wrong when you realize you would rather know more about Troy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, it's, look, look at the history of the child the child genius. What was the last right. show to do a child genius? Galactica 1980. Dr. Z. Oof. What character did everyone hate? Wait, wait, wait. Also, Mork and Mindy. Right. Um, I think it was, was it the, was it the second season? Was it the third season? I don't know. But he, he really was cousin Oliver. I, well, in the case yeah. of Dr. Z, he was cousin Oliver. Yes. He then was later he was played yeah. ironically by Patrick Stewart, different spelling, but Patrick Stewart played Dr. Z on Galactica 1980, who was a super powerful, all-knowing genius who was telling Adama what to do. And, and that was offensive. And, and then here you have the same thing where, you know, Will Wheaton, or I should say, Doc, uh, Will Crusher had the, you know, the answers to all these questions. You know, he, he knew more than, LaForge, who was the engineer, or Data, who was the brilliant android. And, and really, upon rewatching it, I found it really unpalatable. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It's also one of those things where it is, um, it's, it's how to put this? It is, it is how people depict very smart people when they are not themselves very smart. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like it's like oh well, he's just he knows everything. That's not really how it works. It would be much more interesting if he didn't freaking know everything, but he did have a native intelligence Insight. that right that like let him look at problems in a way that was outside the box. That was <laughs> ways that everybody else wasn't looking at them. Right, but he just didn't have the knowledge. That might have been interesting. But like, oh, but I know this and none of you are freaking necessary was just annoying. But then his emotional intelligence was like zero. Like, yes. so, you know, you have any outrageous O'Connor was like, hey, how about this O'Connor? Look at the way he, he's he's cool. Yeah, he's, his, emotional, I, I was, his emotional intelligence was always stunted throughout the show. I yeah. know. And then Even you have to say, the well, then with the Dauphin, you know, yeah. where uh, the Dauphin, where, where Dauphin. Um, he the Dauphin, where he falls in love with um you know, yeah. this this girl who turns out not that girl you know, is no dolphin. girl and uh, day of the dolphin. And, uh, <laughs> and and, you know, he's so upset. <laughs> Where's mom? Mom, mom. He's so upset that she doesn't reveal that she wasn't human. No, 
first words out of your mouth are the most important. You may want to start with something like this here. You are the most beautiful woman in the galaxy. But that might not work. Yes, yes it would. You don't know how long I've wanted to tell you that. But you're afraid. Yes. Of me? Of us, of what we might become. Commander? Or that you might think that was a lie. Maybe I do think it's a lie. And you think I'm not sincere? I didn't say that. There's nothing wrong with the line. It's like a knock at the door. Then you're inviting me in. I'm not sending you away. That's more than I expected. Is it as much as you hoped? To hope is to recognize the possibility. I had only dreams. <sighs> dreams can be dangerous. Not these dreams. I dream of a galaxy where your eyes are the stars and the universe worships the night. Careful. Putting me on a pedestal so high you may not be able to reach me. Then I'll learn how to fly. You are the heart in my day and the soul in my night. I don't think this is my style. Shut up, kid. Tell me more about my eyes. You know, that she's I, actually this alien life form. She's actually this alien from season two of Space 1999. And my girlfriend is a fish. And he's so <laughs> petulant. And, yeah. uh, you know, and it's just like, oh, man, I thought we we're going to go steady. You know, it's like, come on. There's a much more interesting story to tell there. You know, it's like, what, you know, what happens when you fall in love with somebody who's, who's, who's a fish, who's not an alien, you know, who's an alien, you know, who's not humanoid. And how's that going to work? And, you know, she's going to go off and be an ambassador. It's sort of what they did later on with the perfect fate between Picard yeah. and Famke Jansen. But then it's Famke Jansen. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. So it's um, Captain Picard and it's Jean Grey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so uh, then there's this bizarre episode, Loud as a Whisper. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Mm. This is, you know, I. this is uh, like 50% casting bad. Yeah. Because uh, the, the, poor, the poor person that they had uh, playing the deaf telepathic ambassador um, was just not interesting. No. Uh, and, and not uh, dynamic and uh, his... Uh, his uh, Greek chorus was uh, very odd and it didn't make any sense to me. Mm. I do think, and I could be wrong about this, that he was deaf, which, you know, put the show yes. a little ahead of its time, you know, to that credit, yeah. they cast a deaf person, you know, so I uh, playing the deaf ambassador, but it's sure. not a very good episode. Yeah. No, it's, it's yeah. not, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just seems not, it's just not Star Trek. There's That's not a lot of there, there. No, there isn't. They're, they're, they're really it's a very unmemorable episode. And, you know, here we've had, you know, sort of th again, this is why season two has this reputation, because we've kind of had it's all up and down. Yeah. It's really up and down. But and when they're down, it's like it's not just like entertaining bad like Spock's brain. It's flatline bad. It is yeah. mediocre. I don't give a flying F. Like, it's all into the ground. Yeah. You know, because at least, and we've talked about this with Spock's brain. I have to reconnect his brain, right? That would be this techno babble, the extent of right. the techno babble, as silly as it is, right? What would happen in these really pedantic episodes, the next generation, is that we have to reverse the phase coils to do the thing. And so to be 10 minutes of people talking about all this BS science, which makes no sense, that doesn't advance the story, that doesn't have anything to do with character, 
and it's 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 so boring and lethargic. It's stultifying. Yeah, and um, it just it's just awful. Um, but you know, the, the the season starts to take a turn for the better. I would argue. Yes. With, with the schizoid man, I love the schizoid man. Does anyone else have anything to say? I believe I have a few words to say, sir. Just look at that face. The face of a thinker. A warrior. A man for all seasons. Yes, Ira Graves was all that and more, but he was not perfect. Perhaps his greatest flaw was that he was too selfless. He cared too much for his fellow man with nary a thought for himself. A man of limitless accomplishments and unbridled modesty. I can safely say that to know him was to love him. And to love him was to know him. Those who knew him loved him, while those who did not know him loved him from afar. Data. I am almost finished, sir. You are finished, Data. I think that is a cool freaking episode. It captures that tone that I was talking about before perfectly um, as like it, it in the context of what season one and season two were like, I, I think like the schizoid man kind of embodies everything that was good about that. It's actually very watchable to me. I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, look, I really like Tracy's episodes. I love that he named it after a prisoner episode. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it would may have been better if they hid the ball that you mm-hmm. didn't know that, um, you know, Graves made it so obvious that Graves had taken over Data's body. But, mm-hmm. oh, my God, Morgan Shepard is so, so such good. a great performance in episode when he gives the eulogy for himself as Data. It's so funny to know him was to love, to him, love him was to know, know him. him. Yes. And, and, and to love him was to know him. I mean, it's just it's really funny because they just again, this isn't a guy, you know, of course, he played the commandant of Rurapente in Star Trek. Six. Sorry, Darren. Yeah. With but, no electronic frontier. No, that's right. No guard but tower. No electronic frontier. That was Star Trek. When you bring in these operatic actors these yeah. lar- large life actors who who give it who bring everything to the role and, and bring this sort of zest zestiness yeah, it's all casting when the casting is good it tends to work yeah he's so enjoyable in that role that even when the the episode i mean the scene where picard is giving a barbara allen woods a tour of the bridge and you know it's totally innocent and he starts making snide comments under his breath right. it's so funny and um, it just, but, but Morgan Shepard's really great. And, and Brent is great in the episode. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one of the, you know, at that point it had become a cliche data being possessed by right. someone else. You know, yeah, this was the yeah. first opportunity for uh, Brent to sort of uh, not act like a puppet. Yeah. 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 By yeah, actually being a puppet. The dude behind way. it that Morgan Shepard was playing was interesting. Right. And the setup 
was interesting and kind of dark and kind of scary and mm-hmm. kind of weird. And that made it worth our valuable time. Well, there's this whole weird thing where it's like they have to beam them to the surface, but they're going to deal with something else. So they do this little thing where they warp in the orbit, beam them away and then warp off. <laughs> and, and again, it's another episode where Troy is only saying, you know, counselor obvious things like no, nothing where she's giving us any kind of real insight. I feel that he is very uh, not being completely honest with us. Oh, really? <laughs> Look, it's my job to repeat what the computer says. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's a fun episode. You know, normally an episode that's about the guest star is a bad idea. It's what we talked about last Mm -hmm. uh, with season one. But in this case, it's how it impacts our crew. And obviously it has a great deal of impact on Brent, on Data. And it's just such a delicious performance from Morgan Shepard. Um, that it, it it makes it, you know, sort of a little drink of water in the desert of season two. Unlike. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I can tell you, I've only seen this episode just maybe uh, once. I, I, I watched it when it was on in 1989. I've never watched it again. I hated this episode. It was mind blinkingly awful. I mean, it was the deadly years, but, you know. Right, stupid. But stupid, yeah. Sure. Because Unnatural Deadly Years selection. at least had Kirk at the very end kind of coming in and going, yeah. Well, because Deadly Years had, right, this ridiculous sci-fi MacGuffin of the rapid aging. But then it has that great payoff at the end yep. Um, where he strides onto the bridge. Code two, you know, and he uses his, you know, brilliance to, um, you know, basically get them out of trouble with the Romulans. And uh, Commodore Stalker gets to see what a real Starship commander can do. Damn right. Um, but uh Unnatural selection has none of that. <laughs> it's just, what if we got old and pulled our pants up around our waists and talked about the government full time? I mean, just what is it? Just what is that episode? It doesn't help that it's an episode that focuses on Pulaski. Yeah, Hof. right. Yeah, that is not a character you want to see an episode based around. By the way, can I just say, with respect to Dr. Pulaski and Diana Muldar. Yeah. How is it that I can love that actress so much and yet want to throw things at my television whenever her character is on screen? But you Mm. know what? That's a mark of a good actress. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's not her fault that her character was written to be hateful right and annoying right she just plays it very well because she plays it like it's written that's right yeah because i loved her on tos and i loved her on la law damn right he's great amazing and i don't honestly i don't hate dr pulaski i think she has a couple of really good episodes uh including the one where she saves picard's life i think that's a great one um so I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw any blame toward her. It's not solely in the writing. Yeah, it's solely in the writing, and them not having any idea of what to do with this character. Yeah, and well, you know, also one of the things she talks about in our book, and and this is not a plug for Fifty Year Mission. It's just exactly. the first time. Everything's it, it's a plug just for it, Fifty Year Mission. It's just the first. <laughs> yeah, it's just the first time I heard this story where she talks about how she was getting paid more than everybody else, right? And because her quote was higher, and so they all resented it. You know, yeah. so, you know, it, that doesn't help 
uh, you know, when you come on the second season of a show, you know, and you're kind of there to save it. And you're also like the chosen one from Gene on high and you're getting paid more than everybody who's been around. It's like, well, this show this year, it's going to work because I'm here to save the show. You know, it's the same thing that kind of happened, you know, with Jerry, you know, when she came on the Voyager and Kate was so upset, uh, you know, because it's like, oh, they're sending this person here to save the show. And could have happened to Michael Dorn, but weirdly Mm -hmm. did not. Well, he handled it so well. And I think to his he's a sweet guy. He's a sweet guy. He also knew these people a little bit. And I, you know, obviously he knew Column and stuff. And also I think he saw what had happened with Pulaski. And I think he knew how it could rub people the wrong way. And, you know, he's just a class guy. Yeah. I don't, you know, and, and uh, they also knew they needed to do something to, to turn that ship around. Well, you know, you know why um, uh, Worf was able to, you know, ride that storm because it was a matter of honor. Oh, well, that, okay. So now, <laughs> now, you know, great I, I forgot how good this episode is. It's great. It's I love terrific. it. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. I've been assigned to serve this ship and to obey your orders. Commander Riker joins the Klingons and is faced with a deadly decision. I intend to attack the Enterprise and destroy it. He must battle his own crew to survive. I order you to lower your shields and surrender. Prepare to attack! On Star Trek The Next Generation. It's really Brakes good. It's great in it. Uh, it's it's a great it's a great sort of uh, uh, it's a look on the other side. It's a it look stands- of how how our how our characters should behave, how they are experts and they are supposed to be out here uh, dealing with unknowns. Mm-hmm. And because they know how to adapt and they know how to handle situations as they come at them. Well, and deal and with is- other species. Exactly. It's yeah. every bit as good as anything from the later seasons or anything from Deep Space Nine. Yep. Absolutely. Well, again, a lot of people think the Klingons sort of came back to life with um, Ron Moore and Sins of the Father. But if you look at Heart of Glory, but particularly a matter of honor. Yeah, it's completely set up. It's yep. all set up right here. This is the beginning of the reemergence of the Klingons as a civilization worth investing in. And, you know, it's so interesting, you know, when I talked to Maurice Hurley about this episode many, many years ago, um, one of the things he said is like, we, you know, it was hard to do shows like TOS about things because in the 60s, you know, there was a lot, you know, people were wrestling with a lot of social issues. And the in the 80s, things had calcified more, you know, particularly in in the Reagan era. He said, but this episode to them was kind of like, okay, Worf was like the, you know, the one black guy in a room full of white people. And he said that for matter of honor, it's like, okay, now we're going to send Riker to Harlem, right? right. We're going to send Riker. And, he, and suddenly you have the, you know, this white guy who's surrounded by black people. And, you know, Riker's like, what? Cool. What yeah. do I, you know, this is great, you know, and, 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 and he's going to embrace the culture and he, you know, it's not, it's not something to fear. And it's not something, you know, it's like, so it was very interesting that they were trying to tell a story about something. And obviously that's a lot more nuanced than, you know, some of the more heavy handed stuff. Um, and uh, it's, it's, but it's just a really good episode. And, you know, Brian Thompson, who I didn't particularly like on Enterprise as a Romulan, uh, is really good as a Klingon yeah. in this episode. 
Um, you know, and of course he was great on X Files too. But he's he's really good as this guy who hates Riker at first, yeah. and by the end, you know, he's he's totally got his back. Well, it's like Dances with Wolves, exactly the same. Yeah, it's Dances <laughs> with Klingons. Yeah, <laughs> Dancing uh, with the Klingons next on Fox. Well, and also they, you know, obviously they, I think they reuse some of those familiar sets um, that we've seen before. Yeah, um, definitely some of the familiar music. <laughs> um, uh, and and uh, you know, and it was interesting because as dopey as the B story is, with the visiting, um, uh, uh, w- the you know the guy from Starfleet Academy, part of the, who who right. who like scans the Klingon ship, and right. that's. The catalyst for them thinking, oh, my God, the Enterprise is trying to destroy us. The Federation planted something on, you know, it's like it's really goofy. But I admire the fact that the A and the B stories tie together. Yes. Right? It's so often the B story has nothing to do with the A story on Next Generation. And at yeah. least in this, it's like, oh, the, the B story and the A story, which seem completely unrelated, actually come together at the end. Mm-hmm. Was the character's name Mardak or something? Yeah, Mardak or, or right. Mar- something. something. And he's Modok. Some I don't know. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> and he, he dreams like methane. So what are they yeah. called? They they were he's called. Got, he's he's got a fart machine under his nose. <laughs> don't look at me, mommy. Oh, oh, sorry, that's a uh, blue velvet. My bad. Um... <laughs> <laughs> blue ribbon. So. Uh... <laughs> So this is something else that I really liked about the second season. This is back when they did full uh, prosthetics on the aliens where the aliens felt alien. It was before it became all about noses and foreheads. You know, it's like, if you look at the aliens in in second season, you know, they're, they're great makeups. And it was the same thing with the first season. Like, and this was like a really cool design for an alien species. And, um, you, you don't really see that later. There's very, other than the Cardassians, there's very few sort of nifty, you know, aliens. You know, that was one thing Babylon 5 always did much better. You know, uh, Volich and Burrell really did a beautiful job with the prosthetics. And, you know, Next Generation, I know people love Michael Westmore's work, and I think he's immensely talented. He comes from this incredible uh, Hollywood royalty. But, he, you know, he kind of, they held him back. Because you could see when he was, you know, they gave him something like the Cardassians. He, he did an amazing job. So, um, but you, that wasn't always the case, you know, because again, they, they, it was just like the, the music. They, they, you know, once, you know, let's wait, Peter, Peter Lauritsen, who was the post-production supervisor, you know, said, oh, let's bring the music down. You know, let's, let's have, we don't want to have themes for our characters. Okay. No themes. No themes. So coming off Matter of Honor, which is a fantastic episode. Um, Arguably the best episode, maybe of the series, actually. It's certainly one of the best. Of, in it's terms of, of a Star Trek story. Yeah. Remarkable. It's a remarkable episode. The measure of a man. Yep. Um, it, it, it's where Star Trek wants to live, where it should live. It, it's about something, you know, what constitutes sentience and um, you know, and, and, and who deserves to have uh, free will and, 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 and civil rights. And, it raises uh, big questions and it uses the characters in interesting ways to figure it out. Commander Riker has dramatically demonstrated to this court that Lieutenant Commander Data is a machine. Do we deny that? No, because it is not relevant. We too are machines, just machines of a different type. Commander Riker has also 
reminded us that Lieutenant Commander Data was created by a human. Do we deny that? No. Again, it is not relevant. Children are created from the building blocks of their parents' DNA. Are they property? I call Lieutenant Commander Data to the stand. What are these? My medals. Why do you pack them? What logical purpose do they serve? I do not know, sir. I suppose none. I just wanted them. Is that vanity? And this? A gift from you, sir. You value it? Yes, sir. Why? It is a reminder of friendship and service. And this? You have no other portraits of your fellow crew members. Why this person? I would prefer not to answer that question, sir. I gave my word. Under the circumstances, I don't think Tasha would mind. She was special to me, sir. We were... intimate. Thank you, Commander. I have no further questions for this witness. Commander Riker, do you want to cross? I have no questions, Your Honor. Thank you. And it has so many memorable moments, things that kind of stand out, like Picard's speech to Commander Maddox. Like Starfleet was founded to seek out new life. Well, there there it sits, sits, Commander, waiting. He seems reasonably self-aware to me, me. Commander. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. It's awesome. It's heartbreaking. I mean, the scene where they bring up Tasha. Right. Mm-hmm. And his, and Data's relationship with her yeah. just, oh, it crushes your heart in your chest. And it almost makes Skin of Evil and the Naked Now mm-hmm. feel mm-hmm. good in retrospect. Right. Yep. Right. Right? These two incredibly awful episodes, it doesn't quite redeem them, but it takes those it moments. It humanity into this uh, one. Yep. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. And, you know, I think uh, it also proves the value of having someone who knows canon and knows Star Trek because Belinda Snodgrass not only was a very successful science fiction author uh, and a a protege of um, uh, um, uh, George R. R. Martin, but she had written a bunch of great Star Trek novels. I think her first was Tears of the Singers. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. It's a great episode. Random. And you can't you can't dismiss season two, if only because of Measure of Man. But here, Matter of Honor and Measure of Man is one of the best back back to back pound for pound. You know, these these are these are four star episodes. Okay. Now and then then. (laughs) Wesley. Oh, Yeah, okay. Well, we talked a little bit about the Delphine. Yeah. Um, not great. And, <laughs> and, and you know, it has, like, uh, the, you know, costumes out of the Outer Limits, but the Outer Limits was black and white, so the costumes look great. Um, they don't look so great here. You know, the creatures fighting. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, it's it's very reminiscent of uh, Space 1999. Yeah, season. definitely. De- season two. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, Contagion was written by 
the great Steve Garber. And why, in addition to being a comic uh, uh, writer extraordinaire, I know him best for having created Thunder the Barbarian, one of my favorite shows. Ariel Ukla uh, Ride. I'm still waiting for the live action version on HBO Max. Uh, oh, I'll bring it's it. coming. I hope With so. Brian Cox. It'll be great. <laughs> As so um, Contagion has that thing we love where it's like, oh, it's another galaxy class ship where, you know, right. but even that it's like, okay, just shoot on the bridge. You know, like they, it's, it's the same ship, but instead they got to gussy it up and put a bunch of other crap on it. You know, it's like, no, just shoot the bridge. Yeah. It's supposed to be the same ship. It's just a different hotel. Yeah. You don't need to, to sort of art direct it. And it just looks terrible. Um, but uh, it's about a computer virus. Yeah. And, and it also introduces, like, and this is just one of the things that I find fascinating, like, especially about this episode. Sometimes, just out of nowhere, uh, especially in the next generation, they would kind of pop up with something random that just took on a life of its own because it was inherently fascinating. So in Contagion, we get the Iconians, yeah. right? Like right. we get like the demons of air and darkness, right? Like who like have this ability to transport, teleport anywhere, right? Yeah. Instantaneously. And it's scary and it's cool. It plays into that tone and it comes back like in Deep Space Nine, it comes back in a terrific episode called To the Death. Yeah. where control of those Iconian gateways is a big honking deal, as you would imagine it might be. Um, there were mentions of it in other series when I need to talk about, but like, but the Iconians were just a great idea and it was almost a throwaway. But that alone to me makes Contagion worth watching. I completely agree. It's such, it's something that's completely underexplored in the episode, you know, and it's just a bunch of people going, Oh my God, systems are down. What are we going to do? But the Iconians are like this great sci-fi concept that, you know, again, to the death elevates this because to the death with the late, great Clarence Williams, the third is such a freaking awesome episode of deep space nine. And it makes contagion better. And also you have Carolyn Seymour playing a um, a Romulan, who's one of the better actresses to play a Romulan. She's quite good as a, and she would be back, you know, a million times playing different roles on the show. But, um, you know, it, 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 and this goes back to what we were saying earlier about where science has least. It's spooky. It's weird right. and it's spooky. And mysterious you know? and ooky. And it has that kind of feeling of the original series where, like, Kirk's talking to another captain. And then suddenly the screen is going flickery and you know, uh-oh, mm-hmm. this can't be good, right? And then, you know, the Enterprise is going to be screwed in, in, after the commercial break. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I love that. And I, you know, and again, not a great episode, but certainly uh, not an embarrassing one. Right. Speaking of embarrassing. Speaking of embarrassing episodes. <laughs> except, except. We love it. We love it. We love it. We what love do they it. call a quarter pounder in France? A uh, Royale. With, with cheese. cheese. <laughs> and there's a lot of cheese. And that's what makes it so damn tasty. Next time on Star Trek, The Next Generation. Seems like we're trapped in here. Proceed with caution. A dangerous mission uncovers a secret alien passage. Welcome to the Hotel Royale. Where the crew become prisoners in a fictional casino that's all too real. Lock onto the landing party. Beam them up. We've got nothing to lock on to, sir. Now, they must gamble with their lives in a deadly game of survival on Star Trek The Next Generation.
We did a whole Trexperts briefing room on this episode. So on we're that not other gonna, podcast. That other entirely other podcast. Entirely different. And to, uh, to oh. celebrate our trip to Vegas, in which we too had a Royale experience. Oh, and not that, cheese. that was so funny. I mean, we literally, I can't believe, I think that's why we have such a soft spot in our heart. We got lost trying to find that damn show at Caesars. And we're like, <laughs> we're, we're trapped in the Royale. And then we ran into <laughs> Scott Mance a half hour later and he was trapped in the same hotel. And it's like, where's Colonel? What was his name? Colonel uh, Richie. Where's Colonel yeah. Richie? And then we realized that all we had to do was get through the end of the book and we'd be fine. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Which is a crazy, insane. Look, I, I mean, originally this was called the, the Blue Rose Hotel. I think, you know, Tracy Torme took his name off of it because it was um, rewritten uh, drastically by Maurice Hurley. I don't know if it would have been any better. I'd love to read his script. But uh, look, I, it's just gonzo. Yeah, it's gonzo. And we love it, even though it's not very good. Yeah. Well, you keep saying we. Well, I mean, me and Ashley, okay? <laughs> yeah. Me and Ashley. Yeah. Star Trek six hater. Yeah. Um, Two-thirds of this episode, dig it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two-thirds of this podcast really like the Royale. But don't worry, when this hits, when this episode drops, everyone's going to be on your side, Darren. So don't worry. That's right. They're all going to be like, what are Ashley and Mark talking about? Oh, what I the- know. <laughs> they have no idea. Okay, so Times Squared. I got to tell you. Times Squared, again, super interesting premise, yep. awfully executed. Yeah. Again, this was going to be part of his his uh, his his um, Borg uh, trilogy. Um, this was supposed to take us to Q Who, uh, and and then it was severed because of Roddenberry from uh, from you know this sort of serialized thing. And it makes no sense. What even makes no sense is if you watch the teasers for this season. And now I'm going to get really inside baseball. I mean, well, you know, it's you know, now that we're all ready for streaming, it's different. But when you wrote for network TV and even for, you know, uh, pay cable, you know, writing a good teaser was essential because you had a whole title sequence. You had to keep people watching. So it was a big cliffhanger. <coughs> Next Gen- the original show did it amazingly well. Next Generation did it terribly. So I'm watching this episode, Times Square, and I'm thinking, OK, so the end of this teaser has to be they bring in the shellcraft. And they look inside, oh, my God, it's Picard, right? Because how can he be on the bridge in the shuttlecraft? No, they go to the credits saying, oh, my God, there's a shuttlecraft out there. Bring her aboard. They go to the credits. And then when they come back at the top of Act One, they find Patrick Stewart yeah. in the right. shuttlecraft. Right. As opposed to. Show. You should. You, you, you got to bring you the shuttlecraft in. You find Patrick Stewart. Then you go to the titles. I mean, that's you go out on that. You're just like, oh, my God, you know, Captain, you better get down here. And you do the reveal. And it's 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 it's, it's Picard in the shuttlecraft. Boom. It's TV 101. Yeah. yeah. These are the voyages. Bah, 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 bah. But no, instead, it's like bring, bring that ship aboard. And then they or go do the, the reveal later when it has the least dramatic impact. I'm like, who was writing these? Jesus Christ. I mean, or like, who was editing them? Yeah. Oh, it was like TV 101. I mean, they must have been short or something. Um. <laughs> But it, 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 I mean, it was so I'm like watching. I'm seeing the beats in my head. And it's like, I'm like, what the hell? Anyway, it's it's a terrible episode, but it's, it's a, a cool great idea. idea. Yeah. Great idea. You know, they find and then what they were going to do, which I love, was in Q Who, I guess, at the beginning of Q Who, they were going to find the shuttlecraft with Picard, you know, out in the 
you know, wherever it was. And it's like, it was going to be a callback to this episode. Like right. that stuff is really cool, but yep. they didn't do any of it. It was not to be. Thanks, it was not to be, Cherie. So, okay. Um, and that brings us to, uh, I, I, it's the Icarus factor. I, I guess but the ick factor. This fight <laughs> is all we have left. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Riker's father, who is a jerk. He, right? The entire episode, I feel like, is they're like in the freaking are they dressed in parisi squares outfits or something like that i don't know man like they're like they're wearing like the freaking pads and they're beating on each other yeah, and it's Am- like, ambu jetsu ambu jetsu it was a giant what you know what it was yeah i know what it was well you know it's my funny. child did it there, earlier there, there is a you know now people talk about this whole idea of toxic masculinity right and I, I, anyone who's seen Mitchell Ryan and anything, and I'm not saying the actor, but you know, you see him as the as J- Mr. Joshua in Lethal Weapon. This guy just oozes toxic masculinity. He's the last person you would see playing Riker's father. You want you Riker's know? dad to be awesome, right? Yeah, like, yeah. he's this like old fat guy who like might have been cool, like like you know, like awesome ladies man once, but like, but now he's like he walks onto the bridge and he should be like, hey Troy. Pull my finger, right? You know what I mean? That's what you want out of Riker's dad. Not like, not this. He walks into the 10 forward and he's like finger pointing at people. Hey, you, hey, everyone knows him. And then clearly him and Dr. Pulaski had a relationship. And it's like- Tiny town. It's so tiny town. And then not only that, but then they like kiss hello. And then um, Riker is sitting with- um, You're not my real mom. With with Calmini. And he's like, well, I guess they know each other really well. I mean, it's the 23rd century. They're kissing each other hello. And he's like, I guess they really know each other really well. It's like, it's so um, retrograde. And um, it's, it's just a terrible episode. Oh, it's, you know, my dad and I have this terrible relationship- we can only solve it by fighting our, each other. And then there's this whole B story with Worf. And the, the way that we find out that Worf's going through this is because Wesley is, is concerned about him. Wesley. And he's going around and nobody seems to care. Isn't Worf acting strangely because he was mean to me? And it was like, uh, is he? I don't know. But fortunately, Wesley gets to the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, Wesley. Now, what we are supposed to be doing, why second season doesn't suck. So let's the less we say about the Icarus factor, the better, probably. Um, which brings us to uh, Pen Pals, which is a very sort of nice little episode, isn't it? Cute. It's, it's nice. Sweet. Sweet. It's, Data finds a kid. His little imaginary friend who turns out not to be imaginary. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. It's cute. Uh, late in the season when they don't have a lot of money. It's nice. It's a hug. It's a little hug from Star Trek The Next oh, Generation. Oh, too long a season. Too long a season. It's sweet. Sweet. It's fine. Although I remember, um, Mark, your cinefantastic uh, review of this entire season. I remember it was titled Too Short a Season, which I thought was very clever at the time. Thank you. At when the I, time, not so much anymore. I, I, no, I, I still think it's very clever. But I thought, especially at the time, I thought yeah. it was very clever. Thank you. Yes. I, I appreciate that. Back in the days when I used to write these things for Cinefantastic. Yeah, which is awesome. I, you know, I mean, it's so funny because my whole, you know, my opinion on a lot of these episodes has not really changed a lot since then. Right. It's really kind of like etched in amber. Okay. Speaking of which, uh, now another, another four star episode. Yeah. Okay. 
Q who? Who? Awesome. Yeah. What? Awesome. Almost. I mean, perfect. Like, and just the simple fact that this, I mean, first of all, the Borg in this episode were such a, a, just a bracing creation. It was like nothing that we'd ever seen before in Aliens from Star Trek because they were truly alien um, in a way that was kind of scary and weird and wrong and awesome all at the same time. Finding that baby on the Borg cube was fantastic. The baby? And, And the baby. And then the fact that it ended with Picard basically saying, you're right, we are not prepared. We are so horribly unprepared. Get us the hell out of here. On a show where it annoyed me that Picard surrendered the goddamn ship every other episode in the first season, when he did it this time, when he said, in a state of true humility that was earned, Mm -hmm. we don't have what it takes yet. I thought that was awesome. And his whole little like speech, you know, at the end to Guinan and Q's speech about like what we're prepared for and what we're not. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it was just, it was chef's kiss. Terrific. Easily yeah. like up to that point, the best episode of the next generation. We we've talked about this episode many times on our 50 best Star Trek episodes. I think we talked about it on our blog Borg episode. We, you know, we've talked about it a lot. Um, you know, I think tonally it has that creepiness and weirdness that Mm -hmm. the show never really captured again that we talked about in the first and second season where there's just a a, a creepy weirdness that the show had, you know, where you really get a sense of space is dangerous, like the original show had. Mm -hmm. um, And then um, uh, that it wasn't also quiet, nice. And and, 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 and also there was this wonderful sense that we can never defeat the Borg, get us the hell out of here. We never want to see these guys again because right. they're too scary and they will wipe us out. Yes. And and yeah. also it was, I think, the best showcase for Q mm-hmm. in a world where Q is not just some random, you know, tr- half-assed Trelane, mm-hmm. you know, where he is a Lucifer figure who mm-hmm. is here not just to bedevil us, but to but to teach us yeah. in a way. Right. And it was Q as the great teacher that was so fascinating to watch. His relationship with Guinan was cool. I don't know what the whole, like, her making hand signs at him was for. But <laughs> but that's good. But that was good. good that we exactly. don't know. It made Guinan suddenly more interesting. Yeah. But it made Q a great and enduring character. Well, what he wants to do is take Picard down a notch. He, you know, he says, oh, you, you think you're so arrogant. You think you know it all. You know, oh, space, the final frontier, boldly going. Well, this is what you're going to find, and it's going to kick your ass. But I always felt it was to take him down a notch to build him up. Yeah. Yeah, like a, you like, need a, dose like of a drill need. sergeant. Yeah, exactly. I need to break you down to build you back into something else. Yeah. So great, great episode. Again. So we have this is our third four star episode of uh, of second season. Well, where again we learn that Q makes things go. Yes. Oh mm, man, we are smart. But I will say this about the packlets. They're fun. Again, they're fun, and they're not noses and foreheads. It's another yeah. cool yeah. makeup design. Yeah. You could actually <laughs> do action figures, you know, of these guys. <laughs> yeah. Not, it's like they, six scale ones, though. They would be smart. They would make things go. Right. I mean, they kidnap, they kidnap uh, Jordy. Uh, Jordy because they, they, they can't 
uh, they need a mechanic. Because they think he can make things go. I, I, I mean, but he really know. can't, basically. <laughs> you know, and then you, this has that scene you were talking about that you like, that Picard is going to die. And there's some beautiful uh, stuff with him and Wesley. Yeah. And then at the end, uh, uh, they find the only person who can conduct the uh, surgery is Dr. Crusher. Oh, wait, no, it's not Dr. Crusher. No. It's Dr. Pulaski, Dr. Pulaski, which sort of undermines the coolness of what could have been. It's mm-hmm. like... It's like, oh, it's Dr. McCoy. Oh, it's Dr. Crusher. Oh, it's somebody oh, who's it's not Dr. on the Mbenga. Enterprise. It's, it's Dr. Dr. Mbenga. Yeah. But no, it's a person who was on the ship that could have done it at the beginning of the episode. Right. It's yeah. But it also, again, this also led to tapestry. If right. this story hadn't been told in this episode, you wouldn't get another four-star episode tapestry. So That's again, correct. second season, planting the seeds for another great uh, uh, story uh, that would come in, I think, season five, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, but now that yeah. brings us to uh, St. Patty's Day and oh, up boy. the long ladder. Wow. Oh, boy. You know, when you're this- making an alien race, don't make them exactly the same as something that we already know. I liked her belly button. Sure, there's nothing wrong with that. Can't build an episode around it. You could. But not this one. <laughs> nope. Up really? the long ladder. The real, oh. real long ladder. Well, real it, was originally, long. it was originally called Sending the Clones, but they made, they, it got changed because they thought oh, it was wow. too jokey. Oh, oh really? Shit. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you feel threatened by solar flares? <laughs> well, then you might like Up the Long Ladder. Um, I, I like All said, the Ghostbusters. I, I found it really weird. I remember that WPIX in New York used to always air this on St. Patrick's Day because it had Irish people in it. Right. It was like the quiet man and uh, and and up the long ladder. It was really weird. Yeah. Really weird. Okay. Speaking of weird, Manhunt is, is is a sequel to two episodes, The Big Goodbye and Haven. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, Quiet Manhunt. <laughs> and again, this was Tracy Tormey. Third Manhunt being dramatically rewritten. He was writing under the nom de gear, Terry Devereaux. Um, mm. I forget what that was an homage to. Um, you know, Tracy loved to drop the, uh, um, you know, the homages to different movies that he liked. But this is just awful. Maurice Hurley wrote And all the humor is gone. All the weird, cra- cra- crazy Tracy Torme, the eccentricness is, is taken out of it. Um, it's just terrible. It's a yeah. really, really bad episode. Well, at, least, uh, at least Major got some work out of it. Well, and it's like they're trying to be this Howard Hawks scruple comedy with like, Luaxana trying to, you know, this find a new bad. husband and wants to marry Captain Picard. There was an episode of the original Battlestar Galactica like that with, um, remember from Match Game, Brett Summers? Yeah, Brett she Summers. was trying to marry um, Lauren Green. Right. And I thought that yeah, was the worst exactly hour the same. television I'd ever seen. Yeah. And, and then uh, I saw man. It was. Uh, I believe she was Cyrus Bellaby. Yeah, Cyrus Bellaby. That's right. Very good. Good for you. Good for you. Um, yeah, because he and they needed a piece of machine machinery to right. make you know to make things go. To make things go. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then okay, so manhunt disaster. The emissary, another fine episode. Yeah. Which is Susie Plaxon's back, who yeah. Early in the season, played of one of the better Vulcans the show's ever had right. as Dr. Solar. Now she's back playing Kalar, 
right. in the emissary uh, uh basically worst lost love who who's here to, to um open up the botany bay where a bunch of klingons are uh right. in suspended botany animation and they think they're still at war with the humans but Chekhov yep. screws it all up yeah all right. <laughs> i think this was an episode of gilligan's island if i wasn't mistaken this was the episode where they talked about klingon mating rituals oh Right. But it's like you read poetry and she hurls things at you. Right. <laughs> or is that the Dauphin? Right. Where they're talking that about might have that. either way. But like, but this episode was cool because Susie Plaxon is awesome. She's great. We love her. Yeah, we love her. She's great. What a great character. And I'm, when they kill her later on, it really has. It, it really. Yeah. What? Spoiler. Oh, spoiler alert. Yeah, exactly. Because people who listen to this podcast have never seen any of these shows. Obviously. Um, so emissary, good episode. Peak performance, is, is thoroughly middling, not awful. It's David fine. Kemper, the creator of Farscape, and of course the great Roy Brocksmith from Total Recall plays the ultimate gamester. Yes, but you know what I, I what I dig about this episode, and it's and it's maybe it's because th- maybe the reason why this episode ultimately is merely okay is that it's it is a, a lot of work to get to a punchline. Yeah. Right. And like the punchline is really good, which is the best way to beat this guy is to play him to a stalemate and piss him off, which I think is awesome. But there was just a lot of like there wasn't enough underneath it Mm. to like to make that fully compelling. It's memorable. Right. It's like, you know, it's like I'm like I'm I forget. Even now I remember because I want to say it's like I'm fucking him up. But I know that's not the line. <laughs> it's like but like but but Data's attitude at the end, all of that is great. Like I remember that scene, but like the rest of the episode is just. <laughs> I really like Commodore Wesley when the Lexington comes in. Oh, sorry. Oh, I got I'm confused. Different different war games. Mm-hmm. Um. I really like when the Eagles are fighting the Hawks. Oh, no, wait. Well, different war games. War game. Okay. It, it's, it's fine. It's I like fine. when Matthew Broderick finally finds the <laughs> The only to, way uh, that Joshua to, to win to is not to play. Right. That's right. That's okay. basically what happened. I know. This is what you said. That's why war games is a good know, phrase. I know, because it's funny. Now, the problem, I think the reason people just say that season two is so bad. It is because final episode is shades of gray. Now I have to say we did a really great, <laughs> really great commentary on this episode on Trexler's briefing room and it's entirely awesome. different podcast. And and I mean, who else would do commentary on shades of gray, but us, but it, I think we said as much as we could possibly say about that episode in that commentary. So if you haven't listened to it, you should check out the Trexler's briefing room to hear us talk about the uh, sublime genius of shades of gray. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation Commander Riker is invaded by an alien parasite My whole leg just went dead Their growth rate is doubled It's attacking his brain and nothing can stop it Respiration is erratic, pulse grossly irregular, blood pressure almost nil Can anything save him from a tragic death? Hang on, Will Hang on Find out next time on Star Trek The Next Generation In fact, no, soon, we're coming now and ass. go right over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was um, this was a staple of, um, of of sci-fi storytelling in the seventies and eighties. The clip show. Every storytelling for for every show, there yeah. was always a clip show to yeah. save money. Absolutely, yeah. and and they really were in a in a difficult spot. 
they were over budget. The studio was not going to give them an overage. Um, they'd gone over budget on Q who they got all budget their money on livestock for up the long ladder. <laughs> <laughs> so they basically uh, said, we need to do an episode uh-huh. in three days. And yeah. so uh, they shot the whole thing in sick bay three and on, on hours the, would seem like days and on planet hell for the planet. And the rest was all clips. They never even go to the bridge. And uh, and and that, that's your clip show. And and they couldn't get Gary Coleman. So uh, but they their just... use of the dissolve button uh, was uh, way over budget. <laughs> you know, I, I only uh, if only I can make things better by thinking about happy memories. If I remember all the, the good like... things that happened to me in my life or <laughs> it's got me. It's, it's all in the commentary. But like the scene where like or the scene, but the sequence where Riker is remembering all the girls that he, that he kissed and he made out with, and they're looking down at him on the table and he's got the blanket over him and it's, (laughs) he's drooling. He's just (laughs) drooling. It's great happiness and joy. Um, It's, uh, it's, you know what people listen to the guy. I boner. After watching that, you know, I want to change my vote. I guess season one kind of did suck because that was all Angel Wan and Justice and, all these awful episodes. Um, yeah, Shades of Grey, I think, really colors people's opinions of second season. But yeah, colors of gray. But yeah. yeah, but you've heard us. I mean, you know, look no further than Measure of a Man and uh, A Matter of Honor. Q. Yeah. I mean, there's some really great the episodes. Dolphin. The Dolphin, Dan the Dolphin, Dan the Dolphin, the Royale. <laughs> What's that? You say Wesley fell down the well? Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, 22 episodes versus the usual 26 right and because of the writer's strike those damn that damn writers guild ashley yeah i know right um there you strike yeah i know well that was before either of From us were, <laughs> i was in college and you were probably in high school so we yep. were not we were not on the picket line for that strike nope um but uh um anyway but uh yeah so i don't know i mean Going back and looking at this, do you think the thesis is sound that second season didn't suck? I think I think it didn't suck simply for the fact that Roddenberry uh, let Frakes wear the beard. Yeah, I agree. Changed the, show. the beard is everything. I think that it it actually did change the show. It made Riker not look like a simp. Yeah, well, and it starts to really galvanize the troika of you know Picard. The Diana troika? No, Picard, Data. And then you could substitute Riker or Wharf, depending right. on the week. Yeah. But um, it becomes the big three, just like uh, just Kirk, like- Spock, and McCoy. Yep. Yeah. And there are some truly yeah, terrific episodes. Absolutely. And, and even some episodes that even if they fell down in execution, had memorable things at mm-hmm. the heart of them. Yeah. You know, like Manhunt. Yeah. Wait, well, what? like Times like time Square. Time Square. Which is a terrible episode that had a great premise. Right. Or a peak performance, which was merely okay, but had a great punchline. Yeah, no, no, that's 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 true. And uh, you know, in a couple episodes, it just missed the mark. Well, so I, I guess now we have the measure of a season. We yes, do. We, we take the measure yeah. season, and uh, and it, it's been fun going back and looking at these episodes. I, some of them I haven't watched in, I mean, literally decades. Decades. Which I can't say about the original because the original, I always go back and watch. You know, it's never more than five or six years between me seeing an episode from the original series. But right. The um, of- next generation, not so much. 
I'm about to begin a, a curated viewing of uh, the original series for with, my, with, with my son. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. So what are you going to awesome. show? What are you, maybe, what are you going to show him, Caden? You're going to, you, you have to tell us another time. Yeah, exactly. It'll be great. I'll like, I'll give you a full report. On, yeah. Like he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Let's see. <laughs> I don't I, know. I, I, I hope he, I hope he likes it. I, I mean, I, I'm sure he will. Yeah. I'm sure he will. Or I'll kill him. Wait, no, wait. <laughs> tell, tell, tell them they're not co- out loud. Tell them they're a couple episodes Boba Fett is not in. Yeah, exactly. It's, but, but they happen to be the best episodes. <laughs> well, look, this was, this was great. Um, and of course, we'll be back uh, next week with an all new, very special episode of the podcast as we bring you, should we tell them? They've been waiting for it. <laughs> should we tell Go them? Ahead. Go ahead. You, 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 you don't want to be surprised? Okay. At long last, our Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock commentary. Part it, one. Part one on the Trexperts and part two on Trexperts Briefing Room, an entirely, entirely different, different podcast. podcast. And your life will never be the same. And it may well, be the I... last time you listen to this podcast. For, all we know. <laughs> <laughs> for some of you, it will be. Yeah. But, uh, but at least it will goose the, the Twitter conversation so that'll be good yeah and speaking of twitter conversation now you can not only follow us on inglorious trek um but you can also follow the new trek spritz br an entirely different twitter feed uh, <laughs> from the trek spritz briefing room and of course on instagram you can follow us at inglorious trek spritz and now at trek spritz briefing room as well and on facebook uh, you can find our complete list of 101 greatest science fiction films ever from our holiday specials all collated in one place so if you want to cheat and not listen to all uh, seven episodes of the podcast you can go and look at the um at the uh facebook page which will give you the uh the final selections um and what else well we want to thank uh bill ritter our great sound engineer we want to thank uh uh, Mark, uh, Mark Rivera, of course, and uh, as well as Peter Holmstrom and Natalie Miscali for all their help uh, bringing the Inglorious Trexperts to you for yet another week in the midst of this crazy pandemic. So hopefully you're getting boosted and getting uh, and, and uh, not getting sick. Um, we heard too many sad stories uh, of some of our listeners who were dealing with um horrible illnesses in their family and we're listening to the podcast is a big chance to get away from it all and um we 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 hope that uh, your loved ones are having a uh you know making a, a recovery and are doing better and that you're doing well as well and uh, and that you're enjoying these first and second season episodes of star trek the next generation so until next week with a swagger stick on behalf of Next week, Swagger Stick. You know, Captain Styles. Captain Styles, you know. Um, That guy. We're stealing the Enterprise. Um, On behalf of Ashley Ed Miller, Ashley E. Miller, I said Ashley Ed Miller, Ashley Edward Miller, Darren (laughs) Dockerman, and myself, Mark A. Altman, keep on trekking. Ingloriously, of course.
You're listening to the Electric Surge Network. 